Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Yeah. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Biz Bites. I have a wonderful guest with me. We were just uh, talking about the fact that we probably have known each other for well, over 20 years was when we first did some work together. And the truth is we haven't actually connected for the longest time. And uh, I'm really excited to have her a guest because she's been around websites and copywriting for a very long time. And uh, it's going to be fabulous to have Katrina with us. So, Katrina, if you'd like to introduce yourself formally to the audience. Anthony, it is such a delight to be speaking to you again after so many years. I know we worked together very well 20 years ago. So I'm Katrina McKinnon and I'm the founder of copysmiths.com. And what we do is we create content for people by people and it's content that the search engines love. So organic traffic's not dead yet. AI hasn't taken over, um, but uh, we create content that really resonates with an audience and um, yeah, mainly in the e-commerce space. It's such an exciting area to be in. And and that may be counterintuitive for many people who are thinking, oh, AI has just taken over. But I think, um, you know, pers- my personal opinion on a lot of AI is, is people are ticking a box with AI. They're saying, oh, we should use AI. So they've created a new kind of job for themselves to utilize AI and delivering stuff with no real idea on what they're delivering. And there's no uniqueness about it. It's just the same as everybody else. Yeah, I think um, I've got a couple of thoughts on that. One of the thoughts is um, I remember way back in 1989, um, at that point in time, we used to use photo, uh, we, sorry, we used to use bromide machines. So back in that uh, time, we used to um, draw logos by hand. We would literally get a pen or a paintbrush and a white piece of paper and we would draw the logo. And then we would use a $10,000 bromide machine to take a photo of that logo and we would create a negative. That negative plate would then be sent off to the publishing houses, you know, to the to the basically to the printing houses where you would then get your logo made or whatever it was. But it was this manual process, you know, and um, those bromide machines were ten thousand dollars each, let's say. As a result, I never knew any graphic designers back then, not a single graphic designer, you know, they were quite rare. And um, but nowadays you can literally we could throw a stick down the street and hit a graphic designer. There's that many of them around. And the catalyst for that was Photoshop. So in about 1993, uh, Photoshop was made widely available. It was $895. So instead of being $10,000 for access to this machine that was very complicated that you had to learn how to use, um, it was $895. So it really revolutionized that industry and gave everyone a tool that made design accessible. And it's exactly what's going on with the AI revolution at the moment. The AIs such as ChatGPT and then the, you know, the thin layer apps like Jasper, which, you know, use the AI to still produce text. um, Those are just tools and they're tools that allow very mediocre designers to produce a lot of $10 logos. So again, the internet is currently flooded. You know, all these libraries, you can go and you can get a $10 logo. No worries. It was, you know, took minutes to produce. 
No serious big companies use a $10 logo. They want their own brand. They want their own identity. But for a small business, for someone who's just starting out, maybe they want to sort of uh, test their, you know, they want to test their um, dog grooming business. They'll go and buy a $10 logo. It's a great way to get started. And so, again, with the AI tools that create content, they're a good way to get started with a little bit of ideation and, um, you know, a creative sort of a partner, a co-pilot, but they're certainly not the designer, they're not the true creative um, that resides, you know, that the, the true creativity resides in a person's heart, not within Photoshop, for example. So I hope that makes sense. No, 100%. I, I, you know, I think one of the problems that many people do in in creating content is they're not thinking about conveying their story. And I'm a big yeah. believer in story. And that's what that's what really connects us is that relationship that you build based on the stories and your own experiences. And, you know, we can, for example, you know, reflect on our time together 20 plus years ago, um, working in a, in a different way. And we were talking about that just before we started the podcast about, you know, the kind of the, the idea of what a website was 20 plus years ago and, and um, you know that that the way they were built and and the kind of intention for them, which has changed a lot. And I think yeah. that, that there's so much that is missed by people who don't incorporate story into what they're doing in their own experiences, just ticking boxes and this is how we do stuff and this is what we do and this is what you need to do. That's not what people want. No, but it's also there there is to a certain extent some box ticking that I think is useful. So if you were to sell, I don't know, you know, a fountain pen, for example, if you were to sell a fountain pen, you might need an article on what is uh, how to clean a fountain pen. That is known knowledge. Uh, It's widely agreed that you don't clean a fountain pen with, you know, acid, you know, that you use gentle, you know, detergents or you, you in a warm bath or, a, you know, a sonic machine, it's, it's widely known that you don't drag it through a river backwards, you know. So that kind of content can be created with AI because it does serve a purpose for a mm. reader in your store. Let's say if you're selling fountain pens, it does sell, uh, uh, it does uh, have a purpose to that reader. And that can be created. But let's say I've got a new pen and it's a super sparkle unicorn pen that shoots, you know, that writes with glitter and it's got a little torch on the end to make it easier to see what you're writing. And let's say I want to promote that pen to people with, I don't know, maybe with um, learning difficulties who find the act of writing quite tricky. Maybe their motor skills aren't so great. And so you, as a mother, I would gift that pen to my child and say, um, you know, here's this beautiful pen. I want to encourage you to write um, so that you can learn the art of writing. So you can, I don't know, you can write your shopping list later. That sparkle pen unicorn with a torch on it that maybe whirs around and does X, Y, Z, you have to write about that. The AI can't write about that because it doesn't know about it because it's a new product. And so Google and the LLMs, the all the AIs like ChatGPT that are scraping the internet, they are desperately looking, desperately looking for information about our businesses, the products that we create and the services that we create. Everything that's new that we create as humans, those large language models and the scrapers are desperately looking for that new information, as are 
our customers and our readers. So there is this balance of this copy paste mentality that you're talking about, tick a box, you know, oh, I got all my content marketing done. The problem is, is with those people who confuse those two types of content, all of their content is going to go quiet. I firmly believe that their content won't show up in the search engines. Uh, everything that Google's been doing lately is pointing towards building trust with your business identity, transparency, your online reputation, who you are, um, what you say, and how you know the, the information that you share um, on the web is, and that's all this authentic voice thing that you're talking about that you talk about in your business as well. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I've I've been a firm believer uh, for the longest time that the media often is what leads where we're going. And so oh, yeah. by that, I mean that um, if you think about it, you know, 30 plus years ago, and we didn't have uh, the idea of, you know, Foxtel and pay TV in general. And so we just sat down and watched whatever was on and, and you know, everyone had to be blanket, uh, you know, uh, you know, to try and target them. Now that's gone to the extreme of having, you know, very specific channels. So, you know, if you want to uh, talk to people who are interested in cooking, you don't have to put it on a general, you know, um, channel. You can actually go to lifestyle food and you can target them very specifically. That's one example. And I think what's really interesting about this is that, you know, the, the lot of discussion about clickbait and all the rest of it over the last yeah. few years. But what the media do is they rehash stories to get more people to click on them, but they have to be 70% different. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's one of the challenges is that if you're taking content that is just out there from the internet and making minimal changes to it, then the risk, as you say, is, is that Google's going to say, well, that's the same as what is appearing everywhere else. It's not significantly different enough, so we're not going to count it. And I think that's if you want to if you want to cut through, you're going to have mm. to change it. Yeah, absolutely. To totally agree with you. But again, you know, I think you and I are converts in that because we understand the space. We've got a more nuanced understanding of it. But it's I can completely understand that business owners see this new tool. Um, I don't know. Do you remember like in the days when, you know, literally we were building websites on like front page and, you know, um, Dreamweaver? Remember Dreamweaver? Oh, I do That's remember Dreamweaver. We, yes. That's what we were building those websites in that we were talking about before. Um, people would when I was running a web agency, people would literally, I literally had one client, his name was Greg, he would, he came to me one time and he said, well, my nephew can um, build websites too, so why would I get you to do it? And I gave him the analogy of, well, a dog can dig a hole in the ground, is that how you'd like to be buried? Mm. You know, you, or would you like an undertaker who's actually going to, you know, do it properly with a little bit of dignity? Um, I don't know that that was the best story at the time because he was a little confronted by it, but it's true, you know, like people sort of still think, well, I'll just get this AI to churn it out. And they just don't see this difference between getting someone who actually cares about what that content ends up looking like. And that's where the resonance with an audience comes in. I had, I've had many Gregs over the years, but uh, 
had yep. uh, had one recently where he said, I don't understand why we can't do all of these things ourselves. And I sort of, I gave a different analogy where I said, well, it's like a house. Uh, you can put up the blinds yeah. and you can paint the walls and do those things yourself. But if you want to get rid of a window, you can do it yourself. But, you know, I'd probably be getting a builder to do it properly. Um, it's up to you. you yeah, it, it'll gonna take you. There's probably a YouTube video to tell you how to do it. Um, you know, but yeah. I take take pot luck with it. It's not what I would be doing. Um, yeah. and, uh, but it, it it is that um, it is that really difficult thing where you you. I, I think that applies to a lot of creative spaces as well. And I think you know, even though web development is a technical thing in many respects, but there are there is an element of creativity to it. And I think there's often a, a lack of appreciation of the effort that's involved in being creative and finding the right solutions and then your ability to actually deliver them relatively quickly because you're doing it all the time. And yeah. uh, people just think that it's that it's the scenario of like um, everyone thinks they're a photographer just because they have a phone in their pocket with a camera. Just because you yeah. have a great camera doesn't make you a great photographer. Yeah. One of the things I'll, I'll sort of, like if we were sort of do photography tips, you know, in content, one of the things I would say to people, you know, listening, I would say um, to pull your content up another level above the AI. Sure, you know, use the AI to produce a draft. But I would say things like one of the things that we know from our work is that if you create a compelling introduction, with a true story, with something that actually resonates with the reader, they will then stay on the page and keep reading. If you create an introduction to an article, let's say, you know, I don't know, it's like how to, how to, uh, hand, handwriting, you know, how to improve my handwriting ability with fountain, my fountain pen. If you say a statistic, you know, 49% of people who uh, use a fountain pen are better writers, no one cares, you know, no one cares. Whereas if you tell a story about um, how um, some particular person, you know, used their fountain pen to always create the, one of the Bronte sisters used their fountain pen to always create the most beautiful ideas. And, and in fact, this character, you know, Lady Chatterley's lover came out of the use of this fountain pen sort of style. That is a story that resonates and mm. it also creates um, an echo with the brand. So then the reader says, well, I love the way they're speaking to me um, and I love that story. And then you've got them engaged with that content piece. Um, the other things we do then is we, as we go through the article, we will layer in customer testimonials. So it's not just us saying, oh, these fountain pens are great, you know, from this seller. We're, we're literally layering. We go and grab out of their Shopify stores reviews, real reviews from that store. And we we choose those reviews and say, well, this review resonates with the handwriting styles article. AI can't do that. Other things we do is we'll create tables. So we'll literally say, well, if you're new to, you know, handwriting, you know, you want to improve your handwriting, um, which are the three pens that are going to make that easier for you? Well, well, this one's got a heavier base. This one's got a heavier top end. And we will write, create a table that does a comparison. And again, AI is brilliant at giving us the initial structure for that and pulling out all the different product variations and helping us to discover those three. But only a person can really tell you what it feels like to have the pen resting um, between your forefinger and your thumb and whether it's a heavier weight or not. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a long way for the AI to go. And, and again, it comes back to this analogy of Photoshop's brilliant for brilliant designers, but 
if you use it to churn out $10 logos, that's a completely different business model, which is also absolutely fine, but just don't get the two confused. So those are a couple of little tips that we use in our writing um, just to differentiate it from the AI. Because again, I believe Google is going to be sweeping through the internet very soon. And Google is going to say, ah, this is all AI drivel, you know, just generated for the mass. Um, we'll just ignore that. We'll just ignore it. So even though it's costing you a few cents or a dollar to generate that content, you're, you're just wasting money. I hope you've been enjoying the conversation so far. We look forward to bringing you part two in the next episode of BizBytes. BizBytes is brought to you by Com Together for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand, engage audiences on multiple platforms. Go to comtogether.com.au, follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.